0: Happy Monday, Liberty Kitty Cats, and welcome back to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. And before we get into today's very fun episode with a couple fellow California libertarians, that's right, we are a real thing. I want to tell you about a little something we're doing to start off the new year the right way, because it's not just a new year, it's a new decade, or some claim it's not. Some say it's 2021, but we're just rolling with it because... It's the Roaring Twenties. Once again, remember the Roaring Twenties? Most of you probably don't. But we're going to make this decade, the 2020s, into the Roaring Twenties because we're going to be Roaring for Liberty. And to celebrate that, we're going to be giving away a brand new t-shirt design, our Lions of Liberty Roaring Twenties new t-shirt, which you can find at our store at lionsofliberty.store. But how do I get one for free, Mark? You might be asking. And if that's the case, well, I am here to provide the answer. And that is by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride by supporting us on Patreon, which funds this entire show, sends us to the LNC where we're going to be there doing video interviews, creating a little mini documentary and will help us grow even bigger and better and not just the year but the decade ahead. And now for the entire month of January, we'll be showing our appreciation for that support. Anybody who joins our Patreon at the $10 or higher level will receive a free Roaring Twenties Lions of Liberty t-shirt and anybody who joins at $5 will receive off one of those very same t-shirts that is essentially giving you one at cost. So please do head over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, consider supporting the show, and let's start this decade. Let's start the Roaring Twenties with a Roar for Liberty.
1: Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty.
0: I'm not going to, this isn't going to be too formal. We're just going to start talking. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, the show has already started because I'm here with a couple of great libertarians, starting with this guy. I can't even believe this right now. I cannot even believe that this guy has been on Brian McWilliams' show, Electric Liberty Land, two times. And this is his first time on the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. Now, I have no one to blame but myself because this is the first time I invited you as well. Uh, it is my good friend, Michael Bolden. Not good friend. He's, he's just uh, an acquaintance. Michael Bolden of the 10th Amendment Center.
1: What's up? Dude, I've been on the show. Not, you forgot?
0: Not mine.
1: No, yours.
0: Mm-mm. When?
1: I don't know. I just thought it was, I, whatever. <laughs> Hi, thank <laughs> you for having me here.
0: Listen, stoner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought we'd have a little fun to start. I was
0: the very first guest. You don't remember me? Yeah, right. <laughs> and the other gentleman cackling in the background uh, was one Joshua Smith, current candidate for the chairmanship of the Libertarian National well, the Libertarian National Committee of the Libertarian Party for the for the pedestrians out there. Joshua, what's up, my guy?
2: Hey, what's going on, man? Thank you so much for having me. And you're free to call me one of your very good friends because we partied in oh, New no, Orleans. Oh, no, we have partied.
0: So. We've hung out in New Orleans. <laughs> way past Bolden's bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> way past In i fact, think it was past my bedtime <laughs> i
1: used to stay up till 11 but now it's like 7 30 and i'm done
0: i think the time we started partying that night that that fateful night uh, a couple years ago was bolton had already been asleep for two hours on the west coast <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> i was juicing that day so it was a little weak how do you know what day this, <laughs> uh, this I don't know, i'm gonna have a response for everything
0: well, this is really going to be a casual episode. Uh, I wanted to bring a couple really? of y- a couple of you guys. No, just you two guys on to uh, have a little segment uh, that I, I often call "libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor." I am drinking wine. I believe Josh has a what? A cherry coke?
2: Cherry coke, man. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And Bolden, I don't know. He, I don't know if he's allowed to tell. He's got. A, he's holding up a pen of some kind. I don't know what's in it. I'm not going to ask unless you want to <laughs> tell us. Nah, it's,
1: all right. it's a ten to one CBD to THC dosist pen.
0: Hey, this guy. Do you, have a, do you have a link, a, a discount code people can get uh, that?
1: Coupon for? code LOL.
0: <laughs> coupon code bold.
2: <laughs> Since we're throwing out our, our affiliate links, you know. <laughs>
0: Hey, throw it out, but don't, well, no, I have we have our own LP link, so it's kind of that's fair, a little bit of a conflict.
2: Fair. No, I was talking about for North Spokane. Yeah, and
0: throw it out. Nobody. Actually, we have one of those too. I just, I just haven't. I haven't do you guys have one? Oh, do just, you have one? I'm sorry promoting it. We just got it from set Pickens. Up the, yeah, we just got it set up the other week.
2: Nice. Well, mine's Smith 2020. So. You can use
0: it. It's okay. It'll be yeah. your payment for coming on the show because there's no other no. there's no other payment.
2: <laughs> you think I get paid for anything that I do besides no. my job?
0: No, that's why I question your sanity. At least Molden's yeah. getting paid for this. Exactly. Not for the show. Yeah. but <laughs> Wait a minute. You're getting paid? This episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a $1,500 deposit
0: spread out over the next 30 years. I had to pay Mark <laughs> to come on here. It's pay to play. Pay to play over here. This is the future libertarians want. You pay to come on podcast. I can't wait this feature comes up. Uh, but I don't want to say it's a, a good thing, because it's not a good thing, because I had no plan for this show, uh, because I'm a professional. Uh, but there happens to be some news this week that I think really does relate to, well, the work all of us are doing, really. Um, it's the, the reason I became so passionate about talking about this stuff in the first place, and that is the war issue. And this is a week where there's been a lot in the news regarding this stuff. Uh, before we get into all that, I want to let you guys... Have a second to plug what you do in life in case there's anybody out there that somehow stumbled upon this and has no idea what's going on in the Liberty world. So, uh, Bolden, how about you give us the, the the 30 second pitch? What the hell do you do? Uh,
1: is there what? such a thing?
0: All right, you get a minute. 10 Five. seconds, one for every amendment.
1: Tenth <laughs> <laughs> Amendment Bolden. Center. <laughs> <Amendment laughs> com. Just uh, check it out. That's it.
2: Okay. I was about to say, Michael Bolden in 30 seconds. Good luck. Uh-huh.
1: Michael Bolton. Bolton.
2: Bolton Bolden. One ticket to save them all, 2020.
1: Don't get me
0: singing. (laughs) And Joshua... As we know, you are running for the chairmanship of the Libertarian Party as you did two years ago. Why don't I just start by grilling you a little bit? What is different here in 2020 or yeah, it is 2020 now. Look at that. It is. Uh, yeah. From 2018 when you first ran, uh, I, what was your vote total last time?
2: Uh, about, about 23.6%. And that
0: was coming from a place where eight months prior, pretty much no one had, I, I had not heard of you.
2: Just a <laughs> <I'll tell> you. <laughs> lowly janitor, you know?
0: Yeah, just a lowly janitor. <laughs> so, so what do you think for you is going to be different about this time? Why do you think, obviously, I don't think you'd be Doing this If you didn't think you had a chance to win, or maybe you would, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, what do you think is different about this cycle that, that gives you a better chance, uh, to, to win the chairmanship? As far as I know, uh, the guy who beat you last time, Nick Sarwark is not, I don't know if he's running, but he has not announced one way or the other. So, um, give us the, give us the lay down. Yeah, I the think lay down is that even a is that even a phrase is the,
2: the, the layout the blueprint <laughs>
0: yeah what you know what I mean
2: <laughs> I think well I, I think that I have a lot more meat to, to point to this time you know I uh, I was running on hopes and dreams and goals and and uh, a plan in 2018 and 2020 I've actually been able to institute a lot of that plan I've been able to show that I'm the number one recruiter on the LNC uh, you know I, I I've been able to fundraise out fundraise a lot of my counterparts and and so it's uh you know it's I have successes to point to, as opposed to just these goals. Like I can show that what I said in 2018 was real. I was going to do it and it's working. And so, you know, that's, that's the big difference, but also people know who I am now. They have a little more trust in me. I've been able to meet even more people. You know, I've been still traveling around the country a lot uh, for the last two years and moved back to California and I've, I've been able to really talk to a lot of the California libertarians, which is the biggest uh, state affiliate in the country. If you're not aware uh, looking at you there, Texas, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a lot more success. More
0: libertarians than Texas somehow. Yep.
2: Yes, we do. How is that even possible? I don't know, man. We're, we're good at what we do. We also have the highest elected official here in California.
0: And that is not (laughs) to say that he is high Per se, he's just at the,
2: <laughs> you might think he's high Jeff Hewitt. You might think he's high when you meet him, but he's not.
0: <laughs> he's a very chill dude though. So I yeah. have my suspicions.
2: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, all three of us are from California. This is a California libertarian round I didn't table. even I think of that wanna, to this, to this yeah. very moment.
0: Um. So, you, I think when you ran last time, those were the things you just talked about. Are two of the biggest things you talked about: recruitment and fundraising, and how important they are to the party, especially a party so small. When you actually get more members in a party like this and more money in a party like this, it actually makes a significant difference. Whereas, I don't know if the Republicans get a couple more thousand bucks, I don't, I don't know how much difference that really makes. Uh, and then I think the third aspect that really motivated you to run is messaging that comes out of the leadership of the party. Uh, so I, I'm kind of curious. And we'll get back to Bolden stuff while he uh, just hit your pen for a few minutes while we talk about libertarian libertarian (laughs) party stuff. Uh, Already there. (laughs) What do you think should be the role of the chairman when it comes to messaging for the party? There's an interesting article I actually read like uh, maybe like a month or two ago by a fellow named Dan Johnson. I'm sure you guys are familiar with, the, with this character. And um, he's been on the show several times. And he, he kind of wrote a really interesting piece talking about how the chairmanship of a party, whatever it may be, whether the libertarian or not, it really should be the business aspect, the the meetings, if you will, uh, the organization, the fundraising, yada, yada, yada. And then other political parties have more of like a party leader and like I, like Tim Moen in, in Canada for the the canadian libertarian party um he's more of the leader he's the messenger he's the uh the person who's putting out like really really just leading by example with um as as far as messaging and and talking about the issues and that sort of thing goes so i'm just curious your thoughts on that that divide and how like is your run do you think your run is more focused on that business side or more focused on that messaging side or obviously there's a mix of the two there
2: sure i think there's a mix and and you know we have an executive director for the Libertarian party that takes care of the day-to-day business. That's what they do. That's their, they literally get paid to to, to do all the business aspects of this party. So I, I would disagree that the chairman's only there to do the business side of things. I think the chairman is always going to be looked at as a figurehead um, for the party. And, and I, I, I agree in a sense that the candidates are our biggest mouthpieces around the country. They're the ones who go out into their communities, make a difference, talk to people, uh, try to get policy instituted in their communities that's going to enrich the lives of their constituency, But, but when Nick makes a post, people... Understand that he's the chair of the party. And so messaging has to be on point. And, and, you know, for me, I I just want to lay out some solid messaging goals and say, Hey, this is the stuff that I'm going to stick to. And, and, uh, you know, it's the stuff that I've seen work over the last several years, as far as libertarian ideals go, especially the anti-war message, which I'm sure we'll get into a lot here.
0: We'll get into it right now, because that's where (laughs) we are. Because I don't think there's any point in asking you what kind of message you would be pushing out there, because you're already pushing a message from your role on the LNC, and you are clearly very passionate about the anti-war issue. I know Michael is as well, so you're you're allowed to talk again, Michael, whenever you like. Um, (laughs) And as we've seen this week... Um, the the war issue has really come to the forefront uh, with the events that have taken place with Iran, uh, the the drone strike of one of their top generals or maybe it is their top general and then obviously we've seen the retaliation which uh, to me seems like it was really just so Iran could say to its people yeah we retaliated, Uh, it seems like it was pretty much just a bunch of missiles that did nothing Uh, but of course since then we've also seen a downing of an airliner which is just awful, a civilian airliner, it's really not exactly clear at the time of this recording what happened there, Um, it's I do think it's probably an accident one way or the other uh, because I don't think they would even intentionally do that. And That would be a really stupid move if half of the plane was their own people. But obviously th- events like that just increase the tension even more and I think highlight the how, how, how much civilians are hurt by war, especially in the fog of war or even impending war or that sort of thing. Um, but I, I, do you think that the Libertarian Party should be primarily an anti-war party? Do you think this should be like right at the forefront of the things we're talking about? Because as you know, not everybody agrees with that. And either we'll of you let, may, ch- may chime on We'll
2: chime let Michael on. go first because I just took the last
0: – You can just I comment on the on a libertarian movement in general or, or what have you. You
1: know. Well, I think war is actually the greatest threat to liberty. I take the same position that James Madison took, that war is the parent of armies. From armies you get debts and taxes, and the way he put it, his words is armies, debts, and taxes – are the known instruments for putting the many under the domination of the few. I think we've got a trifecta on that right now. And of course, if you're going to talk about liberty, the greatest threat to liberty being the power of the state, especially in warfare, so many other things branch out from there, that if the LP isn't leading, if the libertarian movement isn't leading on that, uh, then I don't think they really exist. I mean, if you're relying on the so-called Democrat resistance on war, you're basically relying on people who just want to manage the war themselves and oppose it when a Republican is in charge. And that isn't a real anti-war position. There are some very consistent progressives, of course, uh, but they are few and far between. I would also make a point regarding attack and retaliation. Personally, I don't like, uh, I don't like, referring to those things too often because i think so many people are confused by what's really going on and i think hornberger's article over at future of freedom foundation from this morning i guess it's thursday the ninth when we're recording right uh hornberger was basically saying pulling back the curtain
0: (laughs) 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 i wasn't gonna air this for a
1: year (laughs) live stream (laughs) hornberger was basically saying you know uh the, the notion of what the mainstream media and the politicians are talking about, like that we may get into a war, just that thought is absolutely ridiculous. The U.S. has been at war with Iran in varying, varying degrees for decades. We can obviously go back to 1953 when the CAA helped stage a coup and overthrew the democratically elected government. You could hate that government, but they helped and installed and backed a ruthless dictator for decades and these types of things plus stationing your military in 150 plus countries around the world surrounding a nation and then somebody gets pissed off eventually and fights back or gets mad at you whether they're right or wrong about that if you claim defense in that situation Uh, That to me is the most absurd thing on earth.
0: Hold your horses, kitty cats. I have to jump in here for one second and tell you about another great libertarian podcast. And this one is not your typical podcast. This one doesn't really focus so much on the ideas of liberty, but on music. And who doesn't love music in some form or another? I, I guess some people don't, but who really wants to know those people anyway? Let's be honest. Anyway, the show is aptly titled Sounds Like Liberty. Sounds Like Liberty is hosted by Liberty's favorite nerdy husband. Nick Picone and his wife, Lizzie. They speak to guests every single week to find out who has the best music taste here in Ancapistan. And uh, the Lions of Liberty have actually been on the show, at least a good number of us. Myself, uh, Brian McWilliams and Howie Snowden have all been on Sounds Like Liberty. We're still waiting for the John Oderman episode, but uh, we're not actually sure if John listens to music because we already know he doesn't watch movies. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and go on over to ancapmusic.com and check out Sounds Like Liberty, or just search Sounds Like Liberty on your favorite podcatcher. That's all I do. I, I stick completely to the podcatchers, but Sounds Like Liberty is an excellent show and really does a great job of merging culture, music, and liberty together. I highly recommend this program. If that wasn't enough, the show is co-hosted by an African-American female ANCAP. I mean, what, what more could you ask for? And by the way, Nick did tell me to say that in the ads (laughs) do check out sounds like liberty go to ancapmusic.com right now to learn more how how do you guys think we can break through this this propaganda out there because it, it seems like whenever there's an incident with another country um or something like this, it always just seems to be like history started with that last thing that happened. Like as far as, (laughs) as far as anyone in in America knows the, this started with, they attacked our embassy in Baghdad and now nothing happened before that. Like, but you guys follow, you guys follow Sal
1: the agorist on Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, Sal has been posting these amazing, well, always amazing memes. But one of them that I saw recently was a timeline of the U S Iran conflict. And it started at 1953, and it said, nothing here. And then 1979, it said, Iran, uh, you know, kidnaps some people and then nothing in between. And then Iran shoots down some drones. I mean, that's really the way that the neocons, the, the bloodthirsty war pigs out there, politicians and the general public alike, that's how they view things. And it's because they're totally ignorant of things that are going on. Now, I know, and I'm sure you guys have been dealing with this is too, when you talk about an anti-war, a peace, a pro-peace message with people in this kind of environment, those right wingers are the most impossible to reach. They are the worst of the worst, the lowest of the lowest. And I don't think many of them can be reached, but all we can do is just continue telling the truth about these things. And if one or two people listen to us, to me, that's a win. We've got a long, long way to go before I think this is a, a country based on peace or a society based on peace because there's so many people that crave these types of conflicts and war. Yeah,
2: I agree. And and I, uh, you know, so I actually just, I don't know if you're familiar with a page called The Other 98%. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, a very big leftist page. They, they supported Bernie. Uh, there's about 6 million followers on that page. They actually shared one of my anti-war tweets today. Nice. Which I thought was really cool because... You know, normally these people that's wouldn't huge. give us the time of day, but we we can unite with other economic spectrum people under a, an anti-war message. I mean, everyone can get behind an anti-war message. Are you and,
0: suggesting bottom unity with, with <laughs> you an, know anti-warness at the bottom? Hey, for, <laughs> I that's really, really anti-war the message.
1: There, then, <laughs> yeah, they've they got kind of, six million people on their page. I don't think that's top bottom. unity.
2: Yeah, well, they're, so they you know, that, look here's the Middle thing. Unity? <laughs> if, if I can unite, I'll unite with anybody against yes. war. I don't care who it is. I will unite with anybody that is anti foreign interventionism. I will unite with them. I mean, th- that's what brought me to this movement. It's the most important message there is to me. You know, I, I, like I said in interviews with you before, I, I was in the military. I was part of the shock and awe campaign in Iraq. I saw what we were doing. It was horrible. It was a giant waste of money and, and innocent human lives. And I will unite with anybody that wants to roll back the, the warfare state So, you know, and, and today I got to prove that the anti-war message can travel. You know, I, I got to prove that by waking up and seeing this tweet shared from, you know, and it's from a page that says Joshua Smith for LNC chair. So they know I'm running for libertarian party chair. They're sharing that tweet because it's so pertinent to the situation. And so it's a message that travels and it's a message that the libertarian party, like Mike, Mike says, it has to be, uh, you know, one of the biggest parts of what we do all the time.
1: You know, one of the beauty, the most beautiful things about liberty activism, being a libertarian, is I think it's the Horton rule is what I would call it. You can always out left the left and always out right the right. I was talking about how a real anti-war message is really being anti-war, not just like anti-Trump or anti-Bush. Because if you guys were out there, I don't know if you were, but I was out in the streets with the radical communist uh, answer coalition during the Iraq war I was there on the day that the the bombs started dropping in 2003 I was or helping organize marches in the streets for years and then all of a sudden as soon as Barack Obama the you know the peace bomber as soon as he got in there there is no more people in the streets so you if we rely on the left or the right rather than leading them then yeah. these movements really don't go anywhere and the other great thing is that On issue by issues, on issue by issue by basis, libertarians can make a coalition with anybody. Because if you really want to just get shit done and you're focusing on war, you can partner with the the absurd people with the worst economic views on earth. As long as they are with you on one thing, you can work with them on that. And I found, at least in my experience, the more that I do that every now and then, it doesn't happen real often. But every now and then, someone who is totally opposed to you on everything but one issue, let's say surveillance, for example, they'll be like, you know, that dude has been so consistent on surveillance on all, for so many years, and I'm totally on board with his message on surveillance. You know, maybe I should listen to him on gun rights Kingdom. or on war or something. It happens once in a while. And I think if we're really thinking long game, maybe that's the approach we have to take.
0: I think this is a, an important thing to talk about because I think for libertarians it can often be a big challenge because especially when we first get into these ideas and become very passionate about them, you know, we just want to scream at everybody and anybody that yeah. goes off message is like you're you're you know you just want to attack anyone who doesn't fully agree with you. I mean, I, when I first got into Ron Paul and all this stuff, I, I couldn't believe that people didn't accept the full libertarian message and didn't understand everything he was talking about. Um, but I, I think, especially within the Libertarian Party, in many ways, it makes sense to be uh, to have purists of a sort, to, uh-huh. to have people that are there trying to make sure the message is exactly right, depending on the context. So within the Libertarian Party, a party who's supposed to be the forebearer of the Libertarian message of the ideas of liberty in the United States politically, that makes sense to try to get your leadership to be as libertarian as possible. But then when we're talking about politics in general, I mean, you're not going to convince the entire United States to be fully libertarian. If you're, if you're going to wait for that to be able to make some progress on something, you're going to have a long, long, good wait. call. Good what, call. What, man. what we can always do, like, like you both have been saying is that we can always find the issues where not only do we agree with them, we're way better than they are. We're, yeah, we're yeah, always way better. So. Them.
1: And you know, one other thing, and I, you know, I totally agree with you on wanting leadership in the movement, in the, the party together. To be pure libertarian, but you can be pure libertarian on just one issue. Like you can go to a gun rights supporter and be like, yeah, you know, I'm not really, you know, I get what you're doing with this whole constitutional carry thing. But, you know, the the idea that the Second Amendment is your gun permit is wrong. I disagree with any government permission on the right to keep and bear arms, but let's find a way to work together to move things forward. And then on the war, you can uh, work like what Joshua, what you're doing, like, dude, you're, you're connecting with the left on this issue, building trust. They're, they're willing to share your information. So you just keep doing that. But good leaders will partner with different people on different issues.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think it works for me because a lot of people are really dumb, and I'm kind of dumb, so it's really easy. <laughs> it's really easy for me to like connect with these kind of people. You know what I mean? J- Smith I
0: for I can see it now. Smith for <laughs> LNC chair. I'm kind of dumb, <laughs> but coming. I try. No. I can
1: <laughs> literally have an ad out in about 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I think I'll that's give why you inspire first people. Ad you
2: know?
0: for free. If, that's, if that's, no,
2: <laughs> no, if I'm entirely. I'm being serious though. Like you know, there's so many people in this movement that are so intelligent i mean yeah. intelligent beyond what most Almost people can comprehend <laughs> yeah most most people can't comprehend what we're talking about yeah you know and and i'm i'm that blue collar uh hashtag janitor life guy you know what i mean that's like i've been there i've been where you're at but I understand these principles, and let me show you how they can enrich you. Do you want to tell people? Do you want to tell,
0: so well. tell people where the janitor joke comes from? Since you're gonna probably, uh, sh- probably yeah. make it like ten times. <laughs> who made? Who? Who was it? I don't. Oh, even I know remember who was. Oh, her, it was. It's oh, it was. I was this herd character.
2: Mark Hurd called me a janitor online, and I just thought it was funny, so I monetized my hater and uh, made a bunch of money that day off him. So rock and roll, no big deal. <laughs> it was good. We made some toxic adventure memes, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's true, man. I'm I'm just a blue collar guy, uh, you know, from from the Bay Area that um, I, I can connect with people, and I, I think that's why I've been able to inspire so many people to to join up and, and get involved and um, start you know, but about but
1: these issues. This this idea of being dumb, I know we're like having a laugh at it. But being able to communicate in a way that resonates with people is incredibly important. Well, look at Trump. Trump speaks at a third grade level and he he resonates with
0: a lot of people.
1: I think he is an evil monster. But he is a brilliant marketer. He knows how to push people's buttons and mm-hmm. he knows how to connect with people where they are. He knows the, how to
0: piss off the people he wants to piss off and of have course. them overreact. And he knows how to inspire or whatever the people that he's trying monetize to monetize your
1: haters. The late great Harry Brown, who's probably my intellectual inspiration, had this book Liberty A to Z. I haven't read it for a while, but it was sound bites that you can use to advance Liberty right I now. It's just look at it. I've read a yes. couple of
0: his books and I've never, I don't think I've even heard.
1: Of I just, I just pulled it up on Amazon. It's, check it out right it's now. a Kindle book, six bucks, but it's <laughs> eight hundred and seventy-two libertarian sound bites you can use right now. I'm sure some of it's dated, but there's going to be you. I think reading through the way Harry communicated, we used to always talk about when the Ron Paul thing first started. Man, if Ron, live. if Ron could, you know, like communicate. Ron's a great communicator, but Harry Brown was an incredible communicator, uh, and he was the LP presidential candidate in 96 and 2000, I believe. Uh, yep, but both. this is, I can't recommend his book on this enough. It's just easy peasy reading. And even if this stuff is dated, I think it will give you ideas on ways to connect with people.
2: In fact, he beat Jacob Hornberger for the nomination. Did he? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. There's all the conflict between those yeah, two.
2: Some kind of controversy. The funny thing about that controversy that's going on is I actually reached out to Perry Willis personally, <laughs> okay. who, who was the campaign manager for Harry Brown. Uh, Jim
1: Babka too, right?
2: Yeah, I think Jim Babka was involved with it as well. But I I, I reached out directly to Perry Willis because he was the one named in all the drama. And oh, okay. I said, Perry, tell me what's going on, man. I just want to know, you know, personally, man to man, what, you know, what happened? He's like, look, I am not going to let old decades old. Nice. Get, get, yeah, come between. He said he said, he has no doubt that Jacob Hornberger is a great uh, voice for the movement. And he he doesn't think that any of that will affect his work for the party. And he's been a, a staunch, uh, you know, messenger for the party for for through the movement for for decades and so he he's he doesn't seem to care about it
1: yeah jacob is awesome harry brown to me was my god in this movement sure but but i love jacob it's really the same messaging and you know i didn't even realize that there was that conflict and when i had first met uh, Jacob, I'm like, man, you're the best at this since Harry Brown. Like that's literally <laughs> Did it really first- awkward, Then, like, no, no, he's, no, like- he's
0: cool about it. <laughs> I
1: know, <I'm> <laughs> like he was so nice. It, it does little- go to
0: show that you know libertarian infighting is nothing new. Okay, this has been this-
2: going off since the beginning of libertarianism. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: Of course, you have the Cato versus the Rothbard. In fighting that's been going since day one, at least in party politics.
0: Well, it does speak to something else we can get into, which is is generally just like how liberty should be marketed, how how we market these ideas. I think one way is what we already talked about, where you're just really consistent on important issues to the point that people that that have those issues in other areas of politics that that's important to them, you're the best one on that issue. Can you really you can really resonate with those people? Yeah. Some cynical people would say, well, well, that's great, they'll like you on on the anti-war stuff, but then whatever, they're gonna go be communists or, or something like that. Um, and 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 there are those that would argue, well, we need to have a little bit of a smoother message. We need to ease people into liberty.
1: We but need you're, to not, you're not, you're not you're not lessening the message when you do that. I think that's really the key. I mean, some people might approach that in a let's talk to them in their language, which means going soft on the message. And I think it really is you go hardcore on the message, but you don't overwhelm people with everything like, oh, yeah, well, you support, uh, you know, single payer health care. So I can't talk to you about war and peace or surveillance or something else or asset forfeiture or police abuse or any of this stuff. You can absolutely talk to them about these other things. And I think the more we do that, the more people will trust and respect libertarians and be willing to listen to things that they may not have in the first place. And especially since, I mean, w- you look at the last two presidential candidates. I mean, like, could it have been a better opportunity uh, for a libertarian candidate to get the message out there in a perfect manner or close to it? And I think that's why it's so important to always be consistent on the message, even if you're only talking in small pieces of it.
0: Yeah, and that's certainly been a big part of, I know, what, what Josh has been doing uh, with not only his run for chair, but also with the work that you're all doing within the Mises caucus. Uh, it's all been about the messaging and trying to get the Libertarian Party onto what you would describe, what we would describe as, as a more libertarian message uh, from the leadership, not just the chairmanship, but from the candidates themselves. And I don't think we need to rehash the, the Johnson Weld campaign a million times over, but you're already seeing, I don't want to name names, but you're already seeing some people come into the party who weren't here until recently who are suddenly <laughs> announcing, am I being a little too obvious here? Who are suddenly announcing presidential runs. And it feels like, okay, is this going to happen again? Cause how many times does this party run a retread? Gary it's Johnson. Happened. Gary it's Johnson. Bob Bill Barr. Barr. I mean, this or is,
1: Bob is, Barr, right?
0: Whatever. Every bar. I mean, they're all bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to go for an extra drug There's some great like libertarian
0: that. named Steve Barr out there that's so upset right now. No,
1: I think the, the whole thing was that Harry Brown didn't win it. Michael Badnerick was as hardcore as you can get. And I don't know if he you didn't guys even have, have ever... a
2: driver's license.
1: <laughs> Badnerick is a great
0: dude. He's awesome. He... Every, Every time was my I first, my first presidential, actually not my first presidential vote. I did vote for Bush in two thousand when I was a dumb 20, 20 year old. But he was my first time I voted Libertarian Party, and I knew I really knew nothing about libertarianism at the time. I was just becoming very anti war in general, and I obviously but that took Bush off the table. And like I could just see through the propaganda that Kerry was the fakest anti war guy. That I mean, he wasn't even oh, trying. Right. He was he was like, well, I think we should have gone to Iraq like eighty percent less with less force. Like, what do you even?
1: T- like, this is <laughs> not even message we're hearing today, really, exactly. or somebody else should be in charge. It was charge a of it.
0: conversation of degrees or a slight yes. shift in strategy. It wasn't. This is fucking wrong and evil yeah. and needs to stop now. And that's when I just said, okay, well, at least these libertarian guys—I don't know—they're uh, not those guys. And it, and I kind of know a little bit about it now. I've I've heard of this Ron Paul guy, so I'll just click that box. Of course, I've it's it's very
2: it's very crazy. It's, it's it's very interesting, and and I think something that a lot of people don't understand, even in the movement that when you saw somebody who wasn't these two people you kind of gravitated towards that and that's why i've been so vehement in the fact that we need to not act like the two old parties we can't act like two old parties because there's already the two old parties and if we act like them those people are not going to come over here they're already they already have these successful parties they can be a part of and the 61 percent of the population that didn't vote in 2016 aren't voting because they hate those two parties. So it's like, it's really a a double-edged sword trying to act like the two old parties. And so I think that's, that's a great Testament to that.
1: Can I tell a quick side story on that? It Joshua, you said, you know, the way people come to this from like, they're not these two people. I just wanted to share a little personal history. Yeah, I, I a lot of people come into the movement from like one political party or another. I was a self-proclaimed communist. I think I was just, I was probably a really bad one, but I just didn't <laughs> want to be one or the other. And the person who really inspired me of all things was michael moore i was watching this film of his in the late 90s some book tour that he was on and i remember there was this scene of him in Times square and they were it was dole versus whoever bush dole something like that i don't remember two guys but maybe clinton dole I,
0: yeah, Clinton and, and Dolan, yeah, Dolan. and they had
1: them both up there, and more stops, and he points and he shows like, look, see, they look exactly the same. They do everything the same, and that resonated to me at with me at the time. That message is really kind of a big deal for status. Boy, I certainly was at one because
0: Well, no, he didn't. Man. Of
1: course, right? And he was bad at that point too. He was always a socialist, a really just bad one. But to me, just hearing that, you know, no matter who you choose, you get more garbage is a really, really important message. And someone who can be consistent on principle would be even obviously better. I just wanted to share that. It doesn't always just happen from Republicans and Democrats.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You guys heard it here, though. Michael Bolden just endorsed me, so
0: <laughs>
1: is that official? Why wouldn't I?
0: <laughs> I'm just, I just saying. <laughs> Smith, mm. I'm a dummy. Vote As a side <laughs> note, I, I am. No, it's, a, I'm kind of dumb. That's what
1: I'm an official advisor for the LP Mises Caucus. So if I wasn't endorsing you, I probably would be doing a bad job.
0: Yeah. Are you still? I'm not telling Michael, ice the, on you. Are you still not an official member of the party, Michael?
1: No, I never will be
0: because you, I'm, I'm, what's your what's your reasoning behind that?
1: Well, my work with the 10th Amendment Center really requires me to be nonpartisan. I think I it's you. pretty obvious where my uh, my goals lie with everyone. But if I were to show up and have a conversation with a Democrat or Republican about a policy proposal, I wanted them to push uh, in my assumption after doing this, you know, for well over a decade is I'm not going to be able to get through as many doors if I'm affiliated with the party. That sure. makes sense.
2: And your work, we we can't have you do anything detrimental to your work, Michael Bolton.
1: Instead, it's how just, I'm rich, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the work that you, you do. Got that, that fancy all studio, and that fancy pen, <laughs> and all those fancy. Meals that you always post on your Facebook. You
0: have actually done something impressive, though, Michael. And that is, you have made liberty your full time job. This is the dream—the dream of many out there. Uh, yeah. What, what, what advice would you have to those, to anybody out there
1: that oh, is so passionate about liberty? Right? What's that? Kind of uh, entrepreneurial advice.
0: Entrepreneurial advice, because yes. <laughs> no, I one, have no some. one's going to pay some dummy <laughs> like me to just come here and talk about it. actually, people. you don't miss.
1: have to go through my funnel landing page to get this. <laughs> you don't have to get a, you know, three free videos. And then you just click through for ninety <laughs> I'll give you the rest of the series. Looking at
0: you, Tom
2: Woods.
1: I was
0: just going to say, is this a subtle dig at Tom? Because, <laughs> Cause I've done a few of those of his, and that sounds like the same process. Like, <laughs> well, no, <laughs> no, minute. this is,
1: this is just funnel marketing, landing page marketing. One on one. Everybody does that. Who does my advice. If you want to make a living at advocating for liberty, like I have, uh, maybe maybe better than I do. That's great. I would love that.
0: Definitely better than you do should be the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) My advice is to not set out with that as your goal. Because you're going to run into so many situations where you're thinking about the the money, the conversions, rather than what you do. And I think the number one thing you need to do is do something because you love it. You love liberty, so you advocate for liberty. You find a way to do it, and you do it whether you make a dime at it or not. And then if you do, then your passion is fully behind it and it'll allow you to get through those times that are so difficult that you get pneumonia because you're working so hard for so long or you have to deal with the, some of the most horrible media people on the face of the globe. Uh, and you'll be able to get through those things because you love what you do and you're not just doing it just to earn a living. That's my personal Mike, Mike
2: literally just explained how I'm living my life right now.
1: <laughs> That's, well, I mean, especially this kind of work, you're basically, we're talking about we're talking about advocating for principles that a lot of people will hate us for. Right. Right. And we are as right as we can be as often as we can be. And you're going to get the vitriol of all kinds of people, family, friends, neighbors. I mean, I definitely got laughed at and attacked a lot more from people that I hang out with here locally in LA when uh, Obama was in office. But certainly a lot of those same people, soon as Trump uh, was inaugurated, I started getting phone calls and texts like, Hey Bolden, you know, that uh, political stuff you've been, Talking about. But you know, I mean, you def- definitely have to go through a lot of crap with a lot of people when you are working for liberty. And again, my number one piece of advice is don't try to make a business out of it. Just do it because you love it. And I think you'll have a greater chance of making a business out of it.
0: Yeah, it is sort of ironic how it works. I mean, when I first started this podcast, the idea of money or like even Getting any kind of income from it, which we don't take income, but we do have a significant, you know, Patreon follower that we all we all put back into the show. Uh, but that idea wasn't even on my mind. I just knew I I had this I had this passion and energy for these ideas. I had to do something with it. I was a fan of podcasts. And I couldn't find that many libertarian podcasts, which seems like a crazy thing right now because there's like ten thousand of them. But at the time, I really couldn't find a consistent <laughs> show I could just tune into. I get an interview every week. That's what—that's all I wanted. So I was like, okay, I guess I got to make it. And then, like one day later, Tom Wood started his show. So whatever. But
1: <laughs> uh, man, I remember when Tom started that show. I'm like, okay, you sure you want to do this on Blog Talk Radio? <laughs> Side note: Is it weird if, like, I'm actually interested on a personal level between you two guys? What other uh, libertarian podcasts do you listen to? I'm consuming so much content lately. I really am just interested in Tom podcasts.
2: Woods. Tom Woods, Lines of Liberty, and uh, Part of the Problem, or my three big ones. Uh, anything Scott Horton does, yeah, yeah I watch. I watch your videos.
0: I, I used to have so many. Uh, now I <laughs> pretty much. I, honestly, there's there's really not a show that I listen to every single episode of at this Same. point because there's just no there's just not enough time in the world. But I'd say I regularly tune into part of the problem. Tom Woods, uh, free man beyond the wall. Sponsored free, yeah, me. that
1: one too. I like also man, that one. You know, I don't know why, and I love Dave so much. I don't know why he's not in my rotation. I you know I just need to. Like it's one of those things where you develop a new habit after you've done it for like a week or two. And I feel like, especially with Horton, it's like, I won't listen to Horton for two months. And then all of a sudden I've got 24 hours a day trying to catch up and just trying to absorb it all at the same time. I tend to kind of binge listen podcasts. I'll like play catch up on a lot of stuff.
2: And if you guys want a a podcast that's newer and completely disorganized and hilarious, uh, the Burning Boots podcast. It's actually number one on podcast ranker. Right it's pretty cool. Just these dudes, uh, these these Boogaloo boys down in a basement in Florida somewhere. They're hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah, if you ever get a chance, Boogaloo they're pretty boys. funny. Yeah, Boogaloo boys. Yeah
0: so I have a I don't know if we're gonna have time for a full bonus segment so I I mean there's a couple questions that uh, were put out there by listeners of the show that I want to kind of get into with you guys and then if we have time we'll do maybe some of the sillier ones um, uh, afterwards for a little bonus that's a bonus nice but I I have a specific question at least for each of you guys so and these both come from uh, Bobby Wilson he's been a longtime supporter of ours one of our (laughs) longest and highest paying highest contributing Patreon supporters Uh, Bobby wants to know first this one's for Josh of course you guys can both chime in on all this stuff Uh, but he wants to know what state do you think that the Libertarian Party can make the biggest splash in 2020? Obviously, that's going to depend on who the candidate is and who the Republican and Democrat candidates are. But if you had to look right now at the state that's maybe most ripe for, for success for the Libertarian Party, what would you say that is?
2: Well, I'd say any of the real small states. You know, we, we It wouldn't take as much resources to, to have a bigger effect there. But I'm really excited about a project that we just started in the National Party called the Frontier uh, Project. For, for the National Libertarian Party, uh, and that's starting in Wyoming. So Apollo Pazel, who's our uh, candidate sp- uh, support specialist – I mean, this is what he does. He works with candidates. He essentially took $30,000, went to Wyoming, and he's trying to flip every state legislator seat. Nice. In Wyoming. And so they're going to put a big focus on How Wyoming. How many seats
0: are there, like seven there?
2: Oh, I don't know the exact number, but it's – I mean, some of them Why have I mean,
1: not, House, it's like 60.
2: Yeah, and some of them have not been – uh, challenged for decades, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's, are they
1: running as L's or,
2: They're running as libertarians. Because, I mean,
1: there's like the win at the door, Young Americans for Liberty. They've been doing that, and they've got a few dozen people that they've got, maybe 50 or so, on the state. Like, obviously, Tenth Amendment Center dude loves this strategy because I don't think there really is any chance other than messaging to change anything in Washington, D.C., but there can be impact that can happen on a state-local level. Are you going to so,
2: drop it, my favorite word? Nullify? you can going to say it? You just did. Kind of all right. All right flagged I'm flagged flagged.
1: sorry. I can't say that that uh, you're racist. So, um, <laughs> wait, is that a real thing? Do people associate that word with racism? Seriously, no. You didn't know that. Oh, you Have you seen whole,
0: my the whole zombie? Uh, the you whole, have not you know,
1: seen my Southern Poverty Law Center profile oh, I, oh, page. I,
0: I, I, cer- <laughs> I certainly have. I okay, well, well, that's, that's, no. Can is. we talk about? Can I, we talk about I, this? I read because, it every morning. It's so hilarious. Can it? we talk?
2: <laughs> wait, I want to talk about this because knowing that 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 knowing Michael Bolden personally. And then knowing that he's also designated as like this white supremacist on SPLC is the funniest thing to me. I can't handle
1: it because he's like well, the nicest. Ironically,
0: he hates white people. That's the, the weird thing. I am
1: racist. Yes, white people are evil. They
0: were right about the racism. They just had. He's like
1: wrong. the nicest, like most
2: down to earth, like well, just it is funny person. I don't get no it. No
1: one who would meet me in person would ever think I am. From the radical right. Now, Southern Poverty Law Center, they have their list. They put hundreds of groups and people on there. But this is a special list that I'm on. I am (laughs) one of the 30 leaders of the radical, the new radical right, the 30 (laughs) dangerous leaders. Like, obviously, they didn't hang out with me at all because that would be, (laughs) I mean, but it's cool. You know, I have had some, we'll just say some issues with travel since that happened. But this has been about eight years now. Wait, for real? Like, like. What like flying or what? Yeah,
0: can you can you detail this?
1: Uh, <laughs> no, we're not gonna really. Uh, well, you've really you really intrigued me now. Like I, I, the, SBLC sends this specific report out to all law enforcement agencies. So uh, maybe not all, but major what, ones and federal for sure. What so, a bunch
2: of snitches.
1: So I mean. At first, I was a little stressed out about it, but you know, between that and Rachel Maddow did a fourteen-minute segment on my organization a few years ago, I remember I wrote an article in response. Ooh, can I, MSN, where can
0: I watch that? Can I find that? I'm somewhere?
1: sure it's on YouTube someplace. I would think I haven't looked at it in years, Gee, but
0: some help you are now. I got to search YouTube. For you're right. <laughs>
1: uh, it's called "Confederates in the Attic." Was the segment. Uh, on it maybe it was 10 it. minutes, something like that. So I wrote an article in response. I sent it to MSNBC. I don't know why they didn't get back to me, uh, but instead <laughs> I decided to, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know why Rach doesn't call, but so I sent the article over to Lou Rockwell and he was kind enough to publish the article. At, Shocking. Uh, at Lou Rockwell. That
2: neo-confederate Luke He doesn't Lou run out
1: all my stuff, but he, Lou has always been really, really good. No. Yeah, and, absolutely. and, um, He wrote back just this short. I found it.
0: I'll link it in today's show notes. Nice, nice. I I found it by I found it through the show notes page of your interview with Thaddeus Russell. (laughs) Oh, no way. Someone
1: That's else awesome. did the word for me already. That's awesome. So I Lou sends this little note back and he says, you know, the pin, the, the I know the pin hurts. I'm trying to think in my best Lou Rockwell voice. I know the pin <laughs> hurts, Michael, but it's a badge of honor. But certainly, you know, at first I was like, God damn it, you know, like, why am I getting attacked like this? I'm a good guy. But you know, <laughs> Lou made it made sense. You know, they don't attack you for this kind of stuff unless you're doing something right. And then this sure. isn't just to necessarily talk about myself, but the more that people hate us for advancing liberty in a way it's better. But certainly at the same time, we don't want to make everybody hate us like I know some people have a tendency to do. Well,
0: if you're uh, not being effective, no one's going to bother hating you because right. no one's going to have hurt of you. That's right, how I part. felt. I, that's exactly how I felt last year, Michael. You know,
2: I, I, I just the the hate and vitriol that was sling, you know, slung. Are you
1: getting it as much in this no. uh, in this chair race? I feel like some people and I a lot of times I'm a lurker in some of these libertarian groups and comment sections and stuff like that. I like reading a lot of it. And I've noticed that there has been a number, I've seen a bunch of times, not just one or two, but a bunch of times people saying, you know, I didn't really like Joshua and I definitely wasn't on his side or I was skeptical, but you know, I see him doing the work now for a couple of years and he's earning my respect. Whether I'll vote for him or not is another story, but to me, that is a huge you're making inroad by, by being honest and by being consistent and just busting your ass. And that's gotta be a big part I mean, of it. When you're bringing yeah, humans nice.
0: and muddy into the party, who can really argue with it? <laughs> well, that, that, that was the thing last Are year. Are you really number I, one? I'm the number one recruiter. On woods, the L, right. On
2: the, well, I'm the number one recruiter on the L and C. I think I'm number two in all of the LP under woods. Yeah.
1: That's woods awesome. definitely
2: far, by far number one. And then the, I, I know that lions of Liberty's up there, your guys' affiliates doing really well. Um, LP.org exactly slash Lions of Liberty. Uh, but so so yeah, last year it was like I never knew who I was going to be when I woke up. Was I going to be the deadbeat dad, the white supremacist, mm. the neo-Nazi, the neo-Confederate? I never knew. The janitor. I just never knew. Yeah, the janitor. Uh, <laughs> God, there's so many going around. Uh, the hardcore alcoholic that doesn't drink on the weekdays. The, the one uh, shit
0: drinking <laughs> Cherry Coke for the show?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that That this guy, guy is
1: really
2: uh, hardcore. Uh, there there's was a,
1: Mezcal in there.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a rumor going around that I had seven hundred dollar bar tabs at every state convention I went to. It's like I wish like, I could afford those bar tabs. Yeah, dude. Really? I wish I could afford seven hundred dollar bar tabs. That would be great. No, but oh. it was I knew I, it's exactly how it was. It was like I was being effective. I stepped on the scene. I, I worried a lot of people that I was actually gonna win chair and they didn't like me. And so they start they flail and that's what people do when they're afraid of someone else's success. They flail. They try to come up with anything they can to, to, you know, turn that person away. And, uh, it, it happens. And that just, yeah, it's a mark of success. Absolutely. And I'm a lot of, it's a lot better for me this year. Anytime somebody comes at me like that, this year, I'm just like,
1: all right. You're right. also not being as combative just no. as a side note. You are not. No. I mean, I I see you battling with some people, but I don't think you're being as like, uh, cutthroat in return sure. as people are to you, and maybe I think that is going to have some impact on. Yeah, how people I didn't know receiving. how to
2: handle. I didn't know how to handle criticism.
1: Well, this year at all i don't know if it's that i think just people are just assholes <laughs> and when you have literally a lot of people are real just nasty people yeah. especially online like it's, sarwark it's for example to respond
0: we, like angrily if someone of course of way, course you know? when he i
1: met do. nick in person he even said to me he's like i'm much nicer when i'm in person and i agree that he is he, true. Is. <laughs>
0: he's a, he's he really, really nice is
1: person. i can hang out with him you know but that doesn't mean i agree with his approach on stuff i mean but the point is i think joshua's all i'm saying is you're really making a lot of headway whether you are feeling that as much yourself i just wanted to give you a third party kind of feed
2: well i appreciate it we can continue with these um you know these nice kind of (gasps) (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) i do want to ask uh i have one more question for michael from bobby uh he wants to know what is the biggest win for the 10th amendment in the last year and then depending on your answer i have something else i want to ask you about but we'll see what you say in the
1: past year Man, nothing.
0: We have done nothing at all. This has been terrible.
1: Well, it's hard. We're in the middle of putting together our annual State of the Nullification Movement report for 2019. We published it sometime around January through March, and I'm just trying to think of if there's one that stands out. I guess you can the find short
0: nullifyforwhitesupremacy dot org. The, the short right. version <laughs> is
1: like in we're basically active as an organization in all the states, less in some, but we had like 80 some bills get signed into law. Uh, advancing uh, things, take undermining prohibition, advancing the right to keep and bear arms, decriminalizing firearm sound suppressors in Arkansas, rejecting FDA restrictions in North Carolina, allowing raw milk sales in Vermont, even uh, you know creating a process to reject federalization of police in maryland like all kinds of really interesting stuff happens a lot of it i think is kind of just small pieces of the puzzle and i would say if we're going to talk about like one big thing is 10 years ago 12 years ago when we started doing this the number was zero so we're really making some inroads on uh, an issue by issue basis like we were talking about a little bit before
0: one thing I'm kind of curious about, and this isn't necessarily all about federal nullification, uh, but I, I, it, can, it certainly can turn into that, uh, depending on how things go out, is the situation in Virginia where that oh, state man. legislator, it, they haven't officially passed these laws yet, but they're threatening to and are about to pass these laws that are very, very restrictive on gun ownership and in response, many, many counties and states in Virginia have sort of declared themselves sanctuary cities for the Second yeah. Amendment and formed militias and its we don't have time to go to the whole thing now it's been talked about in several episodes uh on felony friday and electric liberty land all, all of our shows here have discussed this in some way shape or form but i'm curious if that if you see that as being a strategy that can be effective against future or even current federal gun laws is that something I've, that can actually work
1: well they're actually doing it totally wrong yeah, well, um put it listen
0: to- for some advice then now
1: well, I've been trying real hard. The only ones who seem to be listening is Gun Owners of America. I've had some uh, conversation with them over the years. Mind you, I've been advocating for gun rights sanctuaries since about 2009 when I spoke at the 25th Annual Gun Rights Policy Conference, which was held in San Francisco, basically recommending, at least at that time, that uh, gun rights owners follow the strategy of the pot advocates, uh, noticing that in so many states at the time that uh, marijuana was still illegal on a federal level, that if you wanted to defy them, you're going to have to disobey them. Uh, I didn't use the term sanctuary for a few years, but certainly have been advocating that for a long time. But what's going on in Virginia, although there are about 95 to 100 localities that are claiming to be Second Amendment sanctuaries, which I think is a bad term for many reasons. Uh, If you want to know, we can talk about that. But there are 95 to 100 that are claiming that. And the number that are actually Second Amendment sanctuaries are zero. Not one single one has done anything to protect the right to keep and bear arms. I personally believe that most of the people that are actually doing this, not the grassroots who I think many are being misled. Some are not, but the polit- the politicians, the elected sheriffs in most of these places, they're just politically grandstanding. They're setting up a situation where they can get a, a court case at best. I wrote an article for the Mises Institute uh, maybe a couple of months ago that was called Second Amendment Sanctuaries Rhetoric Versus Reality that I think explains in a little bit of detail what's going on, not just in Virginia, but in various states where they're trying to implement these sanctuaries. Really This is, we're talking about some kind of nullification, really, if you really want to do something. And the short version is the strategies that we have been advocating for people to use for a long time regarding the federal government. A lot of people... Uh, are trying to use those same strategies against the state government. But in law, the relationship of a state to the federal government is different than a city to a state, and it doesn't actually work. So they're going to have a real hard time. What it's going to get down to is that people are going to literally, the only way they're going to pull this off, they're going to literally have to refuse to comply with the law. Like the New York SAFE Act, The last time I saw a statistic, I think was 2016, there was about a 4% compliance rate. I'm sure it's higher now, but you really have to have a non-compliance in large numbers to be able to do this. They're not just going to be able to pass resolutions. The resolutions that they're passing in Virginia and everywhere else, they okay. are non-binding political statements. They have no effect of law. I've actually compared them, and you can see in that Mises article, if you link it, uh, the Mises article, I compare uh, a you sanctuary... Said me, I'll link it. <laughs> I will. A sanctuary city like the San Francisco City and County of Refuge Ordinance that was passed in the late 80s, the San Francisco Sanctuary City Law. If you compare that with a resolution passed In Virginia, the differences are very stark. One does something; the other one does nothing.
2: Yeah, uh, resolutions have no teeth. There's literally, literally, they do nothing. Yeah,
1: I mean, you can be important if you can. So, I think there is potential. I don't want to like totally poo-poo on it. I just don't like politicians, obviously. I think resolutions can be very important. Mind you, my organization promotes the Kentucky and Virginia Resolutions of 1798 as two of the most important documents in American history. And those sure. are non-binding resolutions that just talk about the principles of nullification. So non-binding political statement resolutions are very important when used in an honest way. If they were being advertised as, we're, we want to take a stand instead of, making the claim that they're sanctuaries, confusing people into thinking that they're like immigration sanctuary cities when they're not. I think they can be very effective. But if the general public is being misled, and I think in many ways they are, then when they have to do something else, I think a lot of people are going to be like, well, I thought you already declared this was a Second Amendment sanctuary. Right, right. Right, right. I mean, we have to pass something else. I got to disobey the law. What are you talking about? Right. It's going to create a lot of problems.
0: There's no legal change from, from these resolutions. Nothing, have ever, nothing, right? right. Which can lead to a, a tricky situation if the public thinks otherwise. Yep. Very tricky. All right. Well, Bolden, I know you only need to promote 10th Amendment Center.org. Is it dot org .com, dot com dot com. Dot com See, I can't Spelled even spell out. It. Yeah, I'm professional. Uh, and uh, Josh, uh, so before we let you go, Josh, I want to let you give, uh, of course, your final final pitch. Uh, we won't be your final pitch because I'll I'll host some debates uh, as we get a little closer to de- to convention. But final pitch on why anybody listening should look into your campaign for LNC chair, or if they're not even involved in the party, why they should be. Except for Bolden, who has reasons that he stated it previously.
2: Well, I, I I think we've given plenty of reasons why you should be involved with the party. It's the one party uh, since its inception in the 1970s that has stayed principled on things like the anti-war and self-defense and uh you know the the right to marry and i just i mean all of these principles they've stayed pretty much the same in this party since 1971 so it's a good party to be a part of if you want a party that's not the two old parties that's not a party that's gonna you know twist and turn and 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 leave you thinking what the hell did i just become a part of you know so uh you may have to deal with a little bit of libertarian infighting but that's all right <laughs> we we all do we all do. Uh, and I mean, as far as delegates that want to vote for me, I just, I just really hope that you guys will see that I put in the work and and I I have shown that what I talked about in 2018 works, and uh, I would like to the opportunity to do that on a grander scale. So,
0: well, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure having both of you guys here today.
1: Bonus segment. Bonus. bonus <laughs>
0: segment. I am down. I know Josh might have to go. I, I've got some. I think I've he's got, got like 10 questions.
1: minutes. Maybe
0: we can leave. He's... How about this? We'll sign off right now. We'll sign off the main show and then we'll start a bonus segment for as long as Josh can stay on. And then we'll see. Because I, I don't okay. want to be one. I want Bolden. That sounds, that sounds no, scary. that's yeah, <laughs> It's
2: going to get all weird.
0: <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. It's thank an you. It's been awesome time. Until next time, my friends. Live long. And live free.